All right. Uh, welcome to uh, the Johnson Marquez Legal Group podcast. This week's topic is privacy and social media. Kind of two different uh, um, topics, but uh, I'm David Johnson, managing partner of Johnson Marquez, and with me today is Zach Chapman, one of our associates. Hello. And uh, we're going to be talking about how privacy and social media impact our divorce cases. Um, they're really, they really are two different subjects. So let's uh, let's talk about why they're different, and then talk about privacy. Privacy is really um, sometimes what happens in a divorce case. They start spying on each other, mm-hmm. getting into each other's emails, um, you know, that type of thing. It's basically. Um, once the divorce process starts, each each party really wants to kind of separate themselves and live their own private life without interference of the other partner. Um, and then the other is social media, which is, tends to be uh, something that we talk about in terms of evidence and, and using things that come off of social media as evidence or discovery or investigative tools. Um, so useful information that we can pull off of social media as lawyers. The other is really privacy, respecting that boundary now that a divorce is filed, um, and and understanding what those uh, um, what can happen if you violate privacy. So let's talk about privacy. Um, you've had cases where people spy on each other, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not too uncommon when somebody comes in and says, "I think he's got access to my email," nope. or I got access to her email, <laughs> um, and uh, you know it, it's kind of uh, one of those things that you you have to talk to the client about. You know, separating yourself, right? I mean, how, how have you seen this play out when they're they're basically digging for dirt on each other this way? Well, it's it becomes kind of messy. Um, it's almost like a game of shadows in some regard. Um, you know, I, I have never seen it really get to the effect of going to court or anything like that nature where, you know, where someone might make a, a, a statement, but I've never seen the court do anything with it. But, I mean, oftentimes it's, you know, who's got the better information. And, and half the time, the information that they're getting isn't even relevant anyways. It's just the fact that they can get it. Um, and I think really, from what I see, the only issue with the, or not the only issue, but the only thing that the privacy aspect does in hacking somebody else's email is just cause the tensions, the conflict, and frankly, the cost to go up. Right. And um, like you said, oftentimes the subject of, of the snooping is stuff that's really not relevant to the divorce, like the new boyfriend or girlfriend. Right. Um, you know, maybe they're on a, a website, a dating website or something like that. And evidence of that is really not relevant to anything, right? I mean, not really. I mean, sometimes it can sneak in when it comes to uh, parenting time right. and decision making. Right. But it's not going to count for dividing up personal no. property or anything, right? Not at all. Um, in fact, if the evidence that the partner obtains was illegally obtained, it's barred from coming in anyway, right? Could very well be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's illegally obtained evidence, and and uh, courts generally are not going to let you bring that in. Um, However, sometimes the information that is gleaned from that uh, that snooping and that privacy uh, does become relevant. Um, you know, I've seen cases where uh, the locator, the GPS locator, is turned on on somebody's device, and they say, "Hey, you know, this person, I've got a protection order against this person, and I see on the GPS that this person was outside my house." Right. Um, that that's a. a, a 
possible use of, uh, of um, information obtained that uh, is kind of relevant. I mean, this person yeah. is violating the protection order, right? Um, but let's talk about evidence, uh, the, the flip side of privacy. Um, I, I read a statistic that 81% of divorce lawyers say they, they've seen an uptick in the number of recent cases where social media evidence was used, and that's from the American Academy of uh, Matrimonial Lawyers. Um, how does social media get used in a divorce case? I'm surprised the number's that low, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> like it's higher. Maybe an old statistic. Right? Um, I mean, you know, it can be used in multiple ways. Um, I've seen Facebook posts come in more often than you know. Um, you know, whether it's someone's posting about something else, someone's friends with someone else, someone put a picture up that uh, maybe shouldn't have. And I know I've had one case in particular where someone posted something on Facebook. I was surprised she even posted on Facebook to begin with, but um, she did, and it was not helpful to her case once that uh, once that got brought to light. Um, you know, even you know, Twitter or tweets. I guess um, the, I've seen people's profiles on dating websites. If they're making comments or specific instances or mentions in their dating profile, that can come into play. Um, you know, even things like uh, I know in one case, uh, I had a client that was defending a protection order, and the other party even a month ago had put a. A blog on like WordPress or something like that about how great of a husband, how great of a father he was, and all he does is care for the family and go above and beyond. And then she asked for a protection order two days later, saying that he's a threat to the family. And uh, so those type of things can all just come in. Yeah, and I mean, uh, for example, one of the things that you you want to uh, in in a case where you've got maintenance, right? Alimony it used to be called alimony. Um, one of the things you're going to look at is lifestyle of the parties, right? right? And looking back at their Facebook photos is a great way of looking at what their lifestyle. I mean, you got trip photos, you got family photos. I mean, yeah. it, Facebook can really be useful in establishing the lifestyle that these people's li- that these people lived in during the time of the marriage, right? Absolutely. Um, and one of the one of the kickers is you may think that you can delete those posts. Number one, that's illegal because you're tampering with evidence. But number two, you really can't delete them because they're stored, um, and you can go you know look back um, at, at Facebook posts that are stored elsewhere. So. Um, with regard to maintenance and deciding one of the major factors, which is lifestyle, Facebook can be, actually be a really useful tool. Yeah. Um, another one is uh, it, when it comes to parenting time. Um, give me an example of what uh, may be highly problematic to post on Facebook when it comes to establishing parenting time. Kind of reminds me of the picture I was talking about now. I mean, anything that, the way I always kind of tell my clients is anything that you wouldn't want your grandma to see you doing, don't put that picture on Facebook. If you're posting pictures of Facebook where it was a bunch of booze on the table or uh, I guess in Colorado, if you are got pictures of uh, pipes and uh, bongs and everything out on the table, especially if there's a kid also in the picture, that's going to be pretty harmful to your case. Um, you know, anything like that. Like I said, if, if, you, if your grandma would be upset looking at it, you shouldn't be putting it on Facebook to begin with. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely posting party pics. Hey, what we did this weekend, you know, we went out and went down to whatever club downtown and stayed out till 3 in the morning. Uh, not helpful when no. it comes to parenting <laughs> time disputes. But the other thing that's problematic about those pictures is they become, where's Waldo? If you post a picture of your apartment and some friends over in, in the apartment, 
a good lawyer is going to like start scouring that picture for little this, little that, right? I mean, you may see, I've had this happen where you have um, a lighter on the floor, scissors on the table, and a one and a half year old running around, you yeah. know? Um, I mean, you, a lawyer can glean a lot uh, from these photos and highlight this where's Waldo for the judge, right? Right. I remember one, another one of those on see there was, there was a three-quarter finished bottle of Hennessy on the table, a scissors on the counter, and the fridge door was open. There wasn't a thing in the fridge except for, I think, a, <laughs> a two, a, like a, about a, another about a third drunk uh, two liter of coke and that was it and this was a post on Facebook uh-huh yeah um, so so uh, that you know the, the Facebook is just a treasure trove of information and a divorce uh, yeah. where you've got you know you have to be careful what's relevant and what's not relevant um, but certainly um, things that you think may be positive like vacation pictures perfectly innocuous in any other setting right become problematic because they're going to show that you stayed at the, you know, five-star lows on Miami Beach. (laughs) And and then you're going to be paying that for the rest of, you know, I don't know how many years, right? Well, and we saw that come into play with a a contempt case where, I mean, you know, some of you may have read the, or followed the contempt podcast, but one of the things you have to do proven contempt is the ability to pay. And, you know, there was the opposing party who was, and he even provided exhibits about all his trips he'd taken with the with the children and trips he had taken and things he had bought for them and and ultimately all he did was basically destroy his defense of ability to pay because obviously if you can go on all these trips you can have the ability to pay your whatever he wasn't paying right so yeah I mean uh, again you really don't know right so what what advice do you give to clients um, who are you know people who are getting into a divorce what can they do? What's a good strategy to avoid this, uh, you know, I mean, this trap? The first thing is just go radio silence and just not post anything. Um, that's probably the safest bet. Um, I mean, certainly if you're, you know, there, there's nothing wrong, especially with kids. There's nothing wrong with a couple pictures of you and the kids together, um, you know, doing, you know, hanging out. Obviously, you want to kind of avoid the vacation stuff. And that's why I said, because you never know. One innocent picture could mean one thing to one person and could be attacked by another person a different way. That's why I always think the radio silence is probably the best bet. But, um, you know, those type of things is really simple. You know, oftentimes even pictures with, I mean, if you really want to game the system, I guess if you will, game being the operative word, I guess, you know, pictures with grandma and pictures with extended family, all these family coming to your house and, and hanging out with the kid or kiddos. I mean, there's at least two or three factors of the best interest standard right there. Yeah. So... Yeah, I uh, I think that you know going dark uh, social media wise is probably a uh, a good thing, um, at least during the pendency of the divorce. Right. You know. Um, Don't let your emotions get the best of you when you're making posts and responding to things. Yeah, I mean that's that's a different subject, right? right. Because one is one is as lawyers we're sitting here worried about what evidence may be generated, and and uh, it's all the things you know. There's all these things that we know can cause trouble, but there's a whole universe of things that we don't know that could cause trouble, right. like the picture of the empty fridge and the right. you know, uh, the scissors. Um, but going dark is, is definitely uh, good advice for people, no matter what, because they just don't understand um, uh, the risk that they're taking with that. Um, what about um, helping to secure your privacy? What advice can we give to people in a divorce, um, basically to, to lock it down? Right. You know, there's, there's a couple things, and you know, oftentimes, 
you know, let's, first and foremost, don't give your information to anybody. You know, and I, I've had plenty of clients, I'm sure you probably have two, or even my, my paralegals had clients saying, well, yeah, I, here's my, to get my bank statements, I can't get them, but here, I'll give you my name and password, and uh, you just go ahead and get them for me. And Absolutely not. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. I'm not, I'm not logging on anyone's bank account, anyone's Facebook account, anything like that in nature. Um, you know, and, and I guess some people might be comfortable with that, but I'm certainly not comfortable with doing that. Um, you know, I often suggest to my clients, especially if you know, email tampering is potentially going on or maybe you had a saved password or she's got the computer or he's got the computer that you use to check your email with and you have the saved password, all you do is hit enter, um, create a new email. Uh, you can call it, you know, last name, first name, divorce. Um, and then don't give that password to anybody. That way you can keep all your emails there in one spot. Even if you use your other one still, you have, you know that you're checking one email that's going to be just about your case. Um, and the other thing is, you know, if the email tampering is suggested um, or potential, I'd probably definitely create something new just because, the, I mean, I'm not that horribly concerned about what one party can look at on the other's email or what the other party can look at on the client's email potentially but the problem becomes is if that's our form of communication is email and if the other person is seeing what we're doing and I'm seeing my communication with the client then we have a big issue so I would like to make sure that my communication with my client is 100% safe and secured and that's kind of why I suggest finding some new methodology to communicate either whether it's by phone creating a new email or something of that nature yeah I think uh, establishing a secure line of communication with your attorney is going to be critical and sometimes that means setting up a new email address um, but yeah I, I uh, oftentimes tell people just assume that your spouse has all of your your passwords go change them all right. and um, you know, and, and start from scratch with that process. And then, yeah, you know, if it's highly contentious and you have uh, privacy concerns, then probably ought to set up a separate email. And uh, and then also double check your phone to make sure that the location tracking isn't on. Um, and, and, you know, if you don't know how to do that, go to the store. <laughs> that figured out. Um, and, and that is especially relevant where people are, you know, in fear for their safety and maybe there's a protection order in place. Um, you just don't know what that, that, that person has access to. Right. And, and making an assumption is just going to get somebody hurt. Right. And you never know what someone can do with something, a piece of information. I mean, no different than the picture on Facebook. One party may comb through it and pick out something that nobody ever saw and argue that against you. You never know what one person can do with any piece of evidence information that they may have, what they're capable of or what they're not capable of. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think people forget at the information that's stored in a photo. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, nowadays these camera phones, uh, they track your location, where the photo comes from, right. down to, you know, the, the tiniest right. uh, resolution on a Google map. Um, you can take a photo and you can trace it to where it was taken. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I've had that happen. and. Uh, uh, it's shocking <laughs> that you can hunt that down. Um, but yeah, that's a privacy concern about posting these photos as well. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about the, the final subject here, which is, all right, maybe it's not gonna, these social postings and uh, whatever, they're not gonna generate any evidence, uh, but there are still um, ill-advised posts that people could engage in like bad-mouthing their soon-to-be ex-partner, <clears throat> setting up separate uh, Facebook accounts and like snooping on their ex-partner, okay. um, same thing with Instagram, things like that, where they just can't let go of that other person, right? right. Um, not maybe problematic from a legal perspective unless there's a protection order in place, right. um, but it is problematic. 
for for, the, for this person getting on with their life, right? Absolutely. So, how does that happen? I mean, why is it hard for that person? Why does it become hard for that person to move on? That's kind of you know that's an internal one, but I mean, as as we have seen countless times, um, some people you know when especially when they're when some people are fighting over this or just won't resolve a won't resolve the issue of who's going to get the TVs and the couch uh, or how they're going to divide that. Some people just can't let go and get out of the situation. And, I mean, even with my psychological background, I, I couldn't even necessarily tell you why that is. But, I mean, we certainly do see that some people just aren't ready to let go yet. Some people want to win. Some people do it for the principle. But, really, the root of it is not being able or yet ready to move on. And, unfortunately, dealing with that becomes pretty difficult. Yeah, I mean, uh, not only is it, it it can impact your decisions as you go through the divorce, right? Because you're not thinking clearly. Right. You're not thinking logically about the divorce. You're still emotionally impacted. Um, and I mean, your decisions are emotionally impacted. Um, but it also, you know, locks out any other growth that you might have, any other opportunities to move on with life because they're spending all your time, you know, looking at this person, person's Facebook profile or Instagram profile, and you're not able to move on. There's no room in your life for anything new, right? Um, and so, you know, oftentimes it, it helps us as lawyers, I think, to make sure that our clients are moving on, right? right? Because then you have a rational partner in the divorce process, True. you know? Um, not somebody who is, you know, oh my God, you should see what she posted this weekend, um, went on a camping trip with these friends. How can she do this to me? Right. And that's a conversation that we get to bill for, but is not productive for anything in the divorce, right? Probably not. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's a bad idea to, to um, Facebook stock an ex um, for a lot of reasons, but a lot of reasons that... Um, you might not think about right. You just yeah. it's, you got to be able to move on. Right. All right. Any other thoughts on privacy or using um, evidence like emails, text messages, um, things like that? You know, I, I I try to tell my clients just with social media. Like I said, if you're going to go dark, that's probably best. But if you're going to type something, or you're going to post a picture or something, you're saying if you're going to send a text message or you're going to put a post up, anything. In, if you think about it, anything that you are going to say, type right memorialize some way shape or form think about what it is and if you're going to do it think about how the judge might look might use that against you because chances are it's going to come in yeah i mean i tell clients um if you're going to text message them this stuff just assume the judge is reading it right. just act ask yourself is this you know is this what you want the judge to see right. when you're sitting there typing it out? Because, yeah, I agree with you, more than likely it's going to be used as an exhibit. Right. I mean, how many cases do we have where there's this thick, you know, mm -hmm. an, a, a, a paper that's being submitted as an exhibit and it's nothing but text messages? Mm -hmm. I mean, Quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, particularly in custody type of cases, yeah. uh, parenting time disputes. Um, so, yeah, just assume the judge is reading everything you type. Right. All right, um, that's it for us today. Thank you, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's Divorce Insight Podcast. To get a copy of our free ebook, An Introduction to Divorce, click on the link below in the show's notes. Please contact our office for a free consultation. We're available to help you with any issue related to family law and divorce. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you stop by again soon. 
As a final note, please be advised that the information in this podcast is for general informational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast may be taken as legal advice for any individual case or situation. Please retain a lawyer for legal advice. This information is not intended to create and receipt of or listening to this podcast does not constitute an attorney-client relationship.